during that time when I was a homeschool parent and just working, like like I said, like two hours a day, maybe a hard Saturday, you know, I could bring in two to three K a month. This year, when my now that my kids are in school and I have literally that like 8.30 to 3.30, four days a week to work, um, I have made five and six K months consistently since the fall. Welcome to the Capital Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Brinkley. Each week, we hear from stay-at-home moms who earn at least $2,000 per month without having to miss out on any of the precious moments with their kids. I am so excited to bring on today's guest, Jenny Rock. Jenny is an email and website copywriter serving designers, coaches, photographers, and other creative female CEOs. She is also a mom to three daughters, ages 12, 10, and 8, a former homeschool parent, a farmer's wife, daily sweets eater, a runner because balance, and always striving to be a better plant and garden mom. Jenny, I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Hey, Stephanie. Thank you. I am so glad to be here. <laughs> it's got to be so fun having three daughters at that age. Like, they're, to me, they're just that perfect age to just do fun stuff with. <laughs> yes, I love this. I love this age. Um, you know, baby and toddler years are sweet, but I think this age range is like the sweet spot, really, for me. We're having fun and um, I grew up with all brothers, so whenever people say, oh, three girls, I'm like, no, I've been waiting for these girls my whole life. Like, <laughs> I'm so excited to have them and to do life with them. So That's awesome. Well, I want you to start out by telling us about your journey to becoming a stay-at-home, work-at-home mom. How did you, um, you know, discover that path? When did you decide that you needed to work as well as be at home with your girls? Yeah. Oh, man, I was um, thinking about this question. And I know it can be (laughs) kind of a long story. But, you know, I, you know, for me, I know, growing up, I never being a, a mom or a wife was never something I thought about a lot. You know, I know some girls plan their wedding and plan to be a mama from a young age. And for me, I was more like, you know, getting my knees scraped and catching frogs and just running around and didn't think about that stuff much. And so, um, you know, my husband, Aaron, and I have been married for, I think, 14 years now. And so we got married super young, like we were 22 years old. Um, We were high school sweethearts, um, college. We dated off and on in high school and college. And he was just really my best friend. And, um, you know, I lived in Mexico for a time during school. Um, during college. And it was really, you know, I had all these plans, like, I'm going to travel the world, I'm going to work, I'm going to do all these things. And then when I was away from Aaron, for that, you know, period of time, it kind of really hit me like, oh, like, none of that really matters if he's not there. And that's when it really kind of settled in for me, like, okay, this is this is the real deal. And um, shortly after I came back from that trip, we got married. And um, like I said, we were super young, 22, um, just kind of Aaron and I are like that. We just jumped in, right? So um, we jumped in, we got married and, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to have kids. Um, We just were like, why not? We're doing this, you know? Um, So I know you had mentioned um, before that you have, um, or maybe you haven't mentioned on the show, but in your notes to me about polycystic um, ovarian syndrome. And so, you know, we started to try to have kids and, you know, six months, maybe a year, nothing was really happening. So I finally went into my doctor and, um, 
you know, got diagnosed with the same thing with PCOS. And so, you know, it was, we, we went on fertility medication for about six months and all these things. And I remember just kind of saying to God or my higher power after this, and I know there's looking back now, I know people go through infertility for years, decades, even um, for me, it just, you know, as a 22 year old girl, it just felt like a long time, you know, mm-hmm. to, to go through it for over a year. Um, and I remember just saying to God, you know, if I'm not, if this isn't meant to be, then, then, okay, I'll, I'll do something else. Right. Like I really want this, but if this isn't happening, you know, I'll go a different route. And then shortly, you know, after we found out we were expecting our daughter and, you know, we were, we were so excited and, um, I was working full time. My husband was working full time. And so in the cracks of our day, you know, working a full week, we started looking into daycares and planning what we were going to do with our, you know, with our baby after she was born. And I started to piece all these things together. Like, okay, I, I drop her off at seven, seven thirty, and then I work all day. And then I pick her up at dinner and everything I was reading was saying, you know, you let your little one goes to bed super early at like seven, seven thirty, And I was starting to think like, I, I, I'm so excited to become a mom and, and I was piecing it together. Like I'll have like a couple hours with her every day. And I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around that. Like I wanted to work. I've worked, you know, since I was 14 years old and high school worked all throughout college, all those things, I couldn't fathom not working and I couldn't fathom not seeing my daughter either. And so it was very, very hard. Um, but ultimately I, I brought this to my husband that, Hey, I think I maybe want to stay home. And, you know, same with him, like, he was like, okay, but he couldn't really picture it, right? Like, we're just like, what is like, what is this going to look like? And so eventually, we decided we were living in a city, we decided to move back home to the small town we grew up in. And when I say small, I mean, small, like 300 people, there's like, oh, wow, yeah, <laughs> there's like eight to 10 kids in each class, like super rural and small. And Aaron said, my husband, said, I think if we move back home and I give my shot at farming, I think we can make it work for you to stay home. So my daughter, our daughter was born. I had saved up, not all paid, but I had saved up 12 weeks off of work. I took my 12 weeks at home with her and knew for sure. Yes, I, I want to be a stay at home mom. Um, so we made the move. And um, within two years, uh, she had a little sister born. And less than two years after that, another little sister. And so, you know, when the kids were, when she was super tiny, when they were super tiny, I did things on the side. I worked at an office like one or two days a week. I had a little tiny daycare in my home, babysitting a couple kids, but mostly my main job, um, you know, I had three little kids under four. My main job became mom, you know, that took all my brain power um, and all my energy. And so that's really, I know you had more parts to your question, but that's kind of how I became started as you know going from working full-time and just stay at home motherhood (laughs) that's great and there's so much there so many nuggets there I mean just I want to go to that part where you guys took that leap and decided to move back to a small town I mean sometimes when we make a decision to you know kind of follow a dream that we have in our hearts with you wanting to be a stay-at-home mom we make one, one big sacrifice, which would be to leave a job, but then to also decide to move, you know, to another, a completely different house, a completely different town. I mean, it's a huge shift and a huge transition, but it just shows how important that was to you and to your husband that you were willing to, to make whatever changes needed to happen to really see if you can make it work. And 
I cannot imagine, you know, when you say basically it took all of your energy to be mom when you have the three little, little ones. I have one um, son who's two and (laughs) I feel the same with him. So I can only imagine adding, you know, two more to that. Um, But I think for me, and one of the main reasons I wanted to start this podcast is now we live in such a time where there are so many possibilities for women to be able to work and be at home and be really present with the kids, you know, and, and have that income that you're used to making and want to continue making, but also have the time that you want to have with your kids. And when I hear about all, you know, so many different ways, I'm like, man, I wish I would have known about this like five years ago. And then I could have been building it so that by the time I had my son, I would be in a place where, you know, I was already kind of set up. And that's why I really wanted to share this podcast with other women, because I think, you know, we've got to get these stories out here so that moms can start to do that. And they don't have to um, maybe feel as, as guilty about making a move and, and have to make such a drastic change. I also wanted to ask you, because you mentioned that in the beginning, you did some different things that you pieced together um, just to be able to make it work. How did you know, doing those things lead up to what you're doing now? And how long have you been doing the um, email and and the writing? How long have you been doing that? And how did you kind of come to find that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So um, like, like you were saying, I always kind of um, had the idea that even though I was stay at home mom, I also always had a desire, I don't know how to word it, but to kind of have my foot in the door for something else too, right? So like when, you know how it is when your kids are really little and you're just like consume, consume with babies and toddlers and it's just so busy, you don't have time for yourself. And then as my girls started getting older, everyone's sleeping through the night, I have pockets in my day where, you know, maybe everybody's napping at the same time, whatever. I started to realize I had these pockets in my day. Um, And so I would spend that time like, cleaning or like scrolling Facebook. And I literally had to sit down and be like, okay, I have a little more mental space right now. I don't want to spend, you know, if I have two hours, I mean, I know I have to clean the house, but I don't want to spend it cleaning. I don't want to spend it mindlessly scrolling Facebook. Like, you know, I literally remember Stephanie making a list of like, okay, what is it again that I like to do and I'm good at? Like, I couldn't even remember. So wound up in being mom, you know, <laughs> and devoting my whole heart to that. And so I made a list. I love to run. I love to do yoga. I love to grow flowers. I love to write. And I was like, wait a minute. I do love to write. I always have loved to write. I went to school for Spanish, which is like going to school for English. I love other people. I love their stories. I love hearing what other people do and sharing that and just, Um, writing is super creative for me. And so I had writing on my list and I thought, what can I do? Can I start a blog? Like what, like, what should I do? I tried a bunch of different things. And one day I just noticed um, in a town near me, they have a community magazine. So I saw that community magazine. I thought, "Um, what the heck? Like I'll reach out and see like, maybe they need a writer. Um, So I reached out to the publisher of that magazine and he's like, yeah, come in, we'll do an interview. And I, you know, (laughs) 
I remember going to that interview. I was so nervous. I could, I like my mouth went completely dry. I remember I just chugging water, chugging water. Like I just, I was so nervous. I'm like, he's going to see right through me. I'm just this little stay at home mom. This is so stupid. You're not a magazine writer. And he was like, yeah, you, you want to start with like one article a month and see how it goes. And I was like, oh, sure. Um, so I started there. Um, just writing one article a month for a magazine, just interviewing businesses, artists, community people. Um, you know, my kids were getting a little bit older and eventually that turned into being the editor for that magazine. Um, and then that eventually turned into people coming to me and being like, oh, you write? I, I have this website. Can you like help me with that? Oh, I have this podcast I do. Can you like write my script? Oh, I have this, um, you know, I want to set up a funnel for my, from, you know, my course I'm building. Can you like, can you do that? And me being like, yeah, sure, but really not, you know, even before I know it, I'm, you know, transitioning from magazine editor into this whole world of online copywriting. And it's really just evolved super slowly from literally doing one magazine article a month, because that's all I could handle. My kids were so little. Mm-hmm. Um, from doing that to working, you know, upwards of 25, 28 hours a week where I am now that my oldest daughter, just to paint picture, you know, is 12, Right they're in school. So it started really slowly and progressed from there. I just kind of leaped into something that I knew I loved to do. And also that I knew I could do from home. Um, A lot of moms around me in this rural area do have to commute a lot to work, right? And they miss a lot of things. And I just, I didn't want to miss out. I wanted to be here, but I also wanted to do something for myself. And if it could make income, oh, I was there for it. 100%. So I love that. And it's so important, I think, to remember that even as your kids get older, there's still so much to be there for them. And I have a lot of um, just friends because I used to be a teacher. So a lot of my friends will think, will say, you know, oh, you know, when Jet goes back to kindergarten, you're going back to teaching, right? And I might, but <laughs> I also might not, you know, it, it kind of depends on where my path leads. But there is just so much that even as they get older, it's important to be able to be flexible and be there for them. And I think sometimes when our kids are little, we think, oh, well, when they get in elementary school, then they don't need me at home anymore. And it might be true that they don't need you as much. But even what I love about being home is if my son gets sick, we're here. You know, if I need to take him to a quick doctor's appointment or dentist's appointment, we can just go. I don't have to schedule that around, you know, a work schedule or a daycare schedule. And I, I picture that even as he gets older, you know, that if he's going to be sick and stay home from school, it's not a big deal. Or if I want to go on the field trip, or if he has an activity right after school. And so I think it's important to you know, have options. If I want to go back to teaching, I can, but if I want to do something else that's more flexible, I can do that as well. And I also want to um, highlight, because I think you said that you're working about 25 hours a week now. Is that right? Do you feel that with that amount of time that you're able to pretty much earn what you could earn if you went out and found like a a 40-hour-a-week job? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely, 100%. So, um, so you know, uh, this is the first, okay, so backtrack to the fall. Um, this is the first year my kids have all been in school. 
So before that, we did homeschool with them just to have more time with our kids. And like you were talking about all that flexibility, all those things stay at home moms enjoy. Homeschooling was just an extension of that, really, being able to come and go and be together. Um, and so, you know, my, well, my oldest is in middle school. We, we thought our school here is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 8.30 to 3.30. We thought we'd try um, to send them to school. They're getting older, right? So um, when they were home, when, we, when I was doing homeschool with them, I would work maybe two to three hours a day. It was like all I could handle. Um, and then sometimes grandma or dad would like have the, the kids on Saturday or Sunday and I'd put in just like punch out a bunch of hours <laughs> um, when I could. Um, and, you know, during that time when I was a homeschool parent and just working, like, like I said, like two hours a day, maybe a hard Saturday, you know, I could bring in two to three K a month this year when my now that my kids are in school and I have literally that like 830 to 334 days a week, like to my to work. Um, I'm starting I have made five and six K months consistently since the fall. Right. And so that was my that was my goal, you know, all around the online space is five K months, five K months. So that's like kind of naturally the goal that I went to. And the more I'm here, the more I see how it can grow even more without yes. trading time. So I 100% think it's possible. And just like you were saying, even more than the income is the ability to, if somebody's sick, they can be at home with mom. If like, you know, my kids had a softball camp yesterday in the morning, I could drive the van full of girls down to softball camp. Like I, that's where I really want to be right now. I know it's a fleeting time. Um, and I, and I'm just so thankful that I can be here for it, you know, for them. Yes. So, so absolutely. Um, and I think even when I was working less, I could have made more. I just didn't realize it. And I had a lot of, you know, mental blocks about like, Oh, I'm just a stay at home mom. I don't need to charge this much. Or, um, I, I only work this many hours a week. I don't, I don't deserve really to make more, but I see moms who I partner with in business now who are charging their worth who are taking on less projects, but charging more while their kids are little and they're starting, you know, light years ahead of me in that way, just because they believe in themselves and aren't settling for saying, Oh, I work two hours a week. I only deserve 1500 a month. No, like, yes. so I think the possibility is definitely there and, and there's people doing it. And yeah. It definitely takes a mindset shift. You know, it's, it is when you, when you're in charge of setting your prices and, and finding your clients and things like that, it is such a mindset shift to think, okay, how much should I charge for this? And I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that, but I also want to ask you, and maybe we can kind of tie this together. What does a typical day or maybe it's like more like a week or a project look like for you? And how do you find those clients and how do you know how much to charge or how do you decide how much to charge? Yeah, that's such a good question. So it's a, in the beginning, it was a lot of reach outs. Um, so when I when I really knew that I wanted to transition from magazine editor to copywriting, um, I took a course. Um, it was it's by a company called Filthy Rich Writer, and we can link it in your show notes. It's called yes. the um, Comprehensive Copywriting Academy course, and it was $500, um, the most I'd probably ever spent on my, you know, <laughs> my own education or anything that way um, as far as my own business at the time. Um, and it really was a, a beginner's course. What is copywriting? How do you write a website? How do you, if you have no writing portfolio, here's some projects that you can do as a mock portfolio. How do you write an ad? All these things. So I started there. 
Um, and, and they really taught us how to do reach outs in a really heart centered way, not just like, Hey girl, I'm, you know, <laughs> like those icky right. ones. You get. So reaching out to people that I think, you know, in just like marketing agencies, designers, um, web developers who maybe are looking to partner with a copywriter and, and just, so as a combination of reaching out, um, putting out my own content out there. And, you know, it just really snowballs from there. Now it is a combination of I do a certain amount of reach outs every week. Um, that varies right now. It's the summer and I don't want to be as, as busy because my kids are home more. So I do f- like three to five really intentional reach outs every week. And then with that, I also have a few clients who are on retainer. So I have like a reoccurring work for them every month with a combination of Oftentimes I'll do a project and it'll snowball into the next, either that client will, you know, say they want a website written, then they'll want an email funnel written, or um, say they're a designer who worked on a project with me, they'll be like, oh, hey, I have another client who's doing something similar. Can you help them? So kind of word of mouth, reaching out and putting out my own content out there. It's kind of a combination of three. The bulk of my time is spent on client work. And then I have um, probably, I want to say probably four to six hours dedicated every week to my own marketing, which would be writing emails to my own list, making my own Instagram content, doing those reach outs, connecting with like you to be on um, other people's platforms, right, to reach audience outside my own audience, stuff like that. So that's, right. that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> did I answer your question? Yes, you did. And also, how, do you, how did you decide how much to charge? Because okay. I noticed that you kind of had to get through some mental blocks. So it might have changed over time. But how did you decide? Yes. So yeah, it's definitely changed over time. And it definitely started out charging way too low, which doesn't, I don't recommend to anybody. Um, but you know, I, through the courses I took, they would say how, you know, figure out how much do you want to make a week and how many hours you have and do the math, right? And so I started out, like, just just to give you an example, I started out writing websites for people for $500. And once I felt comfortable knowing what, like, learning from that, knowing what I could do, um, adding more to the process, more to what I deliver, more expertise, then I would charge $1,100. And once I really kept learning and getting better and better, I was like, okay, I think I can charge $1,800 to $2,200 to now it's up to, like, $2,600. So it's just slowly snowballed the more confident I've got and being able to convey my process and the value I deliver combined with taking different coaching programs and education courses and copywriting, working through these things with people that have been there before in my industry. And just every project I think I take on or any project your listeners would take on, you just learn and it just it just keeps growing from there. So in the beginning, it was probably really, you know, I know you got you talk a lot about 2k months in the beginning for me, I thought, Oh, if I could just make two hundred dollars a month, I could put my daughter in dance. Yes. And when I go to the <laughs> and when I go to the grocery store, I don't have to be so like you know on the budget. I can splurge on you know whatever I if I want to buy a dessert or whatever you know. Right. Um, so I started there thinking, oh, just a couple hundred dollars a month to realizing what I could do, you know. So that's good. And I think when whenever you're starting to learn about this process, that was always one of my questions. Just I don't know how much to charge. And I think I've, I've been so um, conditioned, I guess, and so used to thinking of in terms of hourly wages or a salary that it was hard for me to wrap my mind around 
um, you know, projects or kind of like what you said, where you think about how much do you want to make? How many hours do you have to do that in? And, and what type of projects can you really take on within that time? Um, yeah, it's a whole new way of thinking. You've also mentioned a lot about, you know, taking different courses to improve your skills in these areas. And I definitely want to link to that course that you mentioned. Um, what other type of skills or personality traits do you think someone needs to be good at, um, you know, being a copywriter? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love this question because I was thinking about it um, when you had sent it over and the answer is like, absolutely. I can't think of any skill or personality trait that you would need to start this. Like I've met copywriters who are completely introverted and they don't love to do interviews with, you know, clients and they just do all the writing behind the scenes and hand it over. I've met copywriters who are extremely extroverted and they want to like do live copywriting on video with clients. Like while the client's watching them and talking with them, which wow. just scares the crap out of me, but people love it. I've, you know, copywriters have come in from all kinds of backgrounds whether those are journalist backgrounds or marketing backgrounds or not. Um, so I think the only thing that I think anybody can do this, there's a lot of former teachers I know who are copywriters because they're just genuinely, I think maybe one thing would be you might genuinely love to write. You, it fills you up creatively. Um, other people's stories, you get excited about that, finding the magic. You know, some people will come to you and be like, oh, I'm just the photographer. There's a million photographers. And if you love to pull out the magic in somebody's, you know, story and show them how it's extraordinary, I think that's a good trait to have. But, I, you know, other than a love to write and, and tell stories and have a lot of fun writing <laughs> um, and get paid well for what you do, um, I don't I don't think there's anything you need to come in the the online education space is your oyster if you if you love to write but have no idea what what the word copywriting even means there is there's there's ways to learn it hands down yeah and when you said that you write web pages um, for people web websites do you do the technical you know building of the web pages and the graphic element or just the copy the mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I just do the copy. So how it works is um, people will come to me and we do a, we spend a lot of time figuring out their brand voice, their ideal client, who we're writing to, all those things. And then I'll make an outline of their website and we'll go over that together so they can kind of see, okay, this is the customer journey on the website. And I just do that in Google Docs. There's no high tech about me. <laughs> and once we have the um, outline approved, then I go in to fill it in with copy. Once we have all the, the words on the website, how we want them. Again, this is in Google Docs. Then it goes off to a web designer who makes it look beautiful. Yeah, so. That, that's so good because I I think that I enjoy the, the writing piece as well. Um, but the technical side is kind of like, oh, I don't know if I would want to do that too. So it's nice to know that that can actually be broken up into two different skills and two separate people can actually do those things. Mm -hmm. Something that I had ever considered before. Yeah, there's, we'll, we'll have to link to her in your show notes. There's a, a woman named Abby Peretz. I think I said her last name right, but she is a writer and a mom, of, I believe of five. And she literally has a free offer. I think that is like writing jobs. You can do that require no tech. 
So things you can be hired for as a writer that pay you well, that you don't have to know <laughs> any web developing, any, you know, anything other than a Google Doc or a Word, you know, a Word Doc is all you need. That's all you, everything I deliver to my clients is in a Google Doc. I am. Um, I don't, you don't have to. And, you know, the more you write websites, the more you kind of learn about design and websites and things like that as you go. Um, but you don't have to, you don't have to know any fancy programs or anything like that. <laughs> Love that. We definitely need to link to her. And then, mm -hmm. so I was on your website before we got on the call and I saw that um, one of your client testimonials said, I'm so much better at talking something out than I am at writing it down in a way that makes sense. Being able to essentially word vomit the thoughts in my head to Jimmy and then have them come out so beautiful has been incredible. And I think that that's so true. You know, when writing comes naturally to you, you sometimes forget that it doesn't come naturally to everyone. And this is a service that um, people need you know do you feel that this is a high demand service and that there's room for more people to get into copywriting oh my gosh a million times yes it's only growing and even though there's a lot of people so so if there's somebody else doing what you want to do all that means is that there's a demand for it and that there's people out there who will pay you for it and so like for your mom's listening, whether it's writing, you know, oftentimes you're so close to the thing you love to do. Writing was like that for me. I've always loved reading and writing, but I was like, who, who's going to pay me for that? Like, that's so, that's so easy. Doesn't, like, can't everybody, everybody writes, like it's, it's writing, it's breathing, right? But you're often so close to your gifts that you don't even realize it. So whether you're a mom and you know how to meal plan for a family of seven on a budget, or you can organize a closet like nobody's business, or you can train for a marathon, or you can do freezer meals, or you can write, or you can take pictures for your family. You're always the one taking pictures. Whatever you do, like that's your magic. Um, that's your gift. And and don't write it off as something like, oh, that's just my fun thing, right necessarily or right away. Like there's so much more to that, right? Like the things, it, it seems easy to you, but there's people out there who need that and they need it the way you deliver it. Like, so what if there's a million other moms with meal plans out there? The way yours is set up, the way you deliver it, there's people out there who need it the way you say it, 100%. There's room for everybody. And um, and yeah, and, and what you know and that magic, that genius inside of you is so valuable, so valuable. Oh, that is so good. Well, this has been such a good conversation, Jenny. Thank you for being here. Do you have any final words for our moms out here who are maybe just getting started and they they desperately want to be able to stay at home, but they're looking at it like, but I also need to make money or I'm not going to be able to stay home. Do you have any final words for our listeners? Yeah. Yeah. Just do it. Um, like I said, Aaron and, Aaron and I, my husband and I, we've often just leaped into things and figure it out as you go don't wait until you have a perfect offer and a perfect marketing plan and a perfect website and a perfect whatever to start just start like the clarity of what you're doing the the knowledge of what you're doing the higher prices the better clients all that comes after action so don't don't think you have to wait until you take a class or wait until you're more confident or wait until you know, you know what you're doing or whatever. Like you can start right now. You don't have to wait. <laughs> Thank you. That is such good advice. Thank you for being here, Jenny. Thank you, Stephanie. It's been great. <laughs>
goal of this podcast is to inspire and encourage as many moms as possible to design their lives in a way that allows them to have freedom and flexibility to spend as much time with their kids as possible and earn the income they need for their families. You can help me reach more moms by subscribing to, reviewing, and sharing the podcast. I love connecting with my listeners, so reach out and leave a review. If you have an idea for someone who should be a guest on the show, or you would like me to find a guest in a specific field, let me know. I'm here to serve you. Join me next week for another episode of the Capital Mom Podcast.